0: Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. More information about LifeHouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Acts 6 verse 7 says this, This is God's Word for the house at this time. And the Word of God, this is another translation, this is my translation. And the Word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I want to speak to you this morning on divine momentum. Divine momentum. There was a movie several years ago called Unstoppable. It had uh, Denzel Washington in it. I reckon if Jesus was alive today, he'd be Denzel Washington, right? Because he just saves the day, right? I love Denzel. And, and, and I'm not encouraging you to see any of these movies, but Equalizer 2 will be good therapy for you, okay? And so uh, Denzel Washington is in this movie, Unstoppable, and it's a story about an unmanned freight train that's carrying chemicals and there's no air brakes. And so it can't stop, right? And it's building momentum, building momentum, smashing through obstacles. And the only way it can be stopped is because of Superman, Denzel Washington. He comes and saves the day, just like Jesus. And he comes and rescues and And everything goes back to uh, perfect and and, and no one's hurt anymore. And, And I began to do a little bit of study and worked out that a moving train can smash through any obstacle. In fact, it takes a five and a half thousand ton train. Once you put the brakes on to stop, it takes nearly a kilometer for it to actually stop. And yet that same five and a half thousand ton train, when it's stationary, even a small block of wood will stop that train in its tracks. It will not go anywhere. Momentum is the force gained by motion or a series of events. And you need to understand that this principle doesn't just apply to physics. It applies to the supernatural realm. Momentum in a church makes change easier. Momentum in a church overcomes obstacles easier. Momentum in a church wins people's hearts far easier. And I'm here to prophesy over this house this morning. Divine momentum over your life. Divine momentum over this house. Divine momentum over your finances. Divine momentum over your marriage. Divine momentum over the the call that God has over this house. In Acts chapter 2, the church had unstoppable momentum. They were walking in unity. There were signs, wonders and miracles. There was an outworking of generosity. There was God's favour. People were being added to the church on a daily basis. But fast forward four chapters and in Acts chapter 6, there came a complaint against the church that threatened their momentum. They, They became distracted. You see, what was happening is that some widows with some very real needs, the Greek speaking Jews who were widows were being neglected because the apostles, the leaders of the church weren't anointed to go and serve them uh, like some others were empowered and gifted and anointed to do. And they got distracted from the ministry of the word and the ministry of the pr- of prayer, what God had called them to do. You see, every single one of you need to play your part. Your leaders are called to do something. You are called to do something. It's not, you can't just say, Well, I brought my tithe. Therefore, the pastor now has to perform his customer service to me. I'm a customer. He's a service provider and they're service providers. And because I've given my tithe, they now perform the religious duties and we all just spectate, cheer and watch as they burn themselves out, which they're not, by the way. Uh, They're ready to go. Let me assure you. Uh, uh, And I'm not just saying that, that I just said there is supernatural grace and energy for this couple and this leadership team to move forward into all that you have all right when the enemy tries to tell you otherwise just say shut up enemy shut up body you look after yourself you have a set have a sabbath but many of us have gotten a lot really soft in this culture when it comes to you know working hard with things that God provides supernatural grace for supernatural anointing for And, and, and so we've got to stop thinking that it's you know I do my job, I bring my tithe and they do the ministry. No, we all have a part to play. We all have giftings and abilities that God has called us to bring. And what the apostles needed to do was to appoint a team that was going to look after the needs. That was going to look after the things that were being neglected. And when the apostles refocused themselves on their calling, On prayer and ministry of the word, the church got its momentum back. Everything began to kick back into motion. The difference between having momentum and not having momentum is not a choice between good and bad. It's a choice between good and what God wants. When you go on this journey in, in the kingdom of God, it no longer becomes, you know, uh, for some of us, this still may be a reality, a wrestle right now. It's no longer a choice between, you know, lust and purity or, or you know, um, uh, going and doing something foolish that's going to hurt my family, hurt my physical body and, and looking after my family. No, often it's a choice between what's good and what's better. What's good and what's best what's good and what's God. And you're coming into a season as a church where many of you have been on this journey. Some of you have just joined the journey, but many of you have been on this journey where it's no longer a choice between good and bad, but it's a choice between good and God. What's good for your life isn't always what God wants for your life. And you need to come into a place of saying, God, I'm following you. Jesus, I'm following you. What do you want for my life? What do you want for this house? What do you want for this church? And when you start to align your life by what's God rather than what's good, watch the momentum increase in your life. The apostles waiting on tables is good. That's a good thing. That's an honourable thing. But praying and preaching God's Word for the leaders is better. It's not beneath them. It's just different function. Nothing is beneath you. Nothing is beneath me. Let me assure you, I've done some jobs. i I worked in hospitals as an attendant carer with disabled people, car accident victims. I had to take care of all their personal hygiene needs. Just let your mind go there, right? Let me assure you, nothing is beneath you but there are seasons where God asks you to do something in His sovereign purpose and will for your life that you know, for me to do what's good would be an offence to what God is asking me to do right now in my life. When you've got divine momentum, God's Word increases. What does that mean? His revelation, His insight becomes greater. We start to understand more of what he is wanting to say. I believe why there is a release of prophetic grace this weekend is in part because divine momentum is making room for it. Your hearts are making room for it. The Bible says in verse 6, the Word of God continued to increase. Now you need to understand there's a direct correlation between God's Word and momentum in your life. When God creates, He creates by the spoken word. Genesis uh, 1 and 3, let there be light. What happens? There was light. Whenever God wants to create something in your life, He speaks it. He declares it. So one of the keys that you've got to live with is, God, what is your word for my life at this time? What are you saying at this time? You see, when God spoke a word into my spirit It moved me from the police force into a new season of life and ministry. When God spoke a word into my spirit, we planted a church with 13 people and the momentum increased and it grew. When God spoke a word into my spirit, He shifted me from where I was pastoring to what I'm doing now. Now God's speaking in my life again. There is another shift, another transition in my life. Every transition from one season to another will be prompted by a word from God. And if God is speaking to you as a church, he's saying, I need you to listen. I need you to begin to process about the part that I'm playing. The seeds go out and and the Holy Spirit, as we make room for what's God and not just good, the, the Holy Spirit waters. We guard the seed of God's Word in our hearts and it starts to produce life in us. In the kingdom of God, momentum is not created by how busy you are. A lot of us think if I just increase my pace, if I get busier, I'll create more opportunity. More doors will open to me. But it's not about how busy you are, it's about how obedient you are. Now your obedience may lead to an element of busyness, but the goal isn't busyness, the goal is obedience. The goal isn't to try and open and knock on doors. Let's try this one. The goal is, God, what are you saying? What is your word? Okay, I got it. Now I'm going to walk in it. Now I'm going to be obedient to it. Now I'm going to go where you want me to go. The race is not to the swift, Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, nor the battle to the strong. It's not how fast you run. It's the quality of the word you carry. Just because you you, you get to the finish line first doesn't mean you won. Just means you're the head rat in the rat race. Doesn't mean you won. A lot of people uh, aren't, aren't first in this life. Jesus said they're last, but they'll be first in the next. It's not whether you came first. It's not whether you won. It's whether you're obedient. He doesn't say, well done, good and fast servant. Come on now. He doesn't say, you know, like, like, awesome, you got here first. You didn't do anything I asked you to do. If it was about fast, it would be get you saved, take you out the back, knock you off, and you go to heaven. That's fast, right? That's not what it's about. It's about once you enter the kingdom, God has a purpose for you. God has a destiny for you. God has a calling upon your life. It's about your obedience. It's about your obedience. You see, when you've got divine momentum, not only does God's Word increase, disciples are multiplied. You're moving from addition to multiplication. You're moving from adding campuses to multiplying campuses. You're moving from adding finance to multiplying finance. You're moving from adding souls to multiplying souls. Divine multiplication. Is coming into your life. It says the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Acts two, they were just being added. Add at add, add, addition, addition, addition. Acts six, it moved to multiplication. You're in an Acts six moment. You see, written into the DNA of creation in Genesis one was the command to be fruitful and multiply. You need to come into agreement with this truth. Every living organism on planet earth has in seed form the power to reproduce after its own kind. When archaeologists discovered Pharaoh's tomb, they went in there and they discovered seeds that had not been planted, that were uh, dated to be 4,000 years old. They took those 4,000 year old seeds, they planted them in the ground, they watered them and the seeds sprouted and produced fruit and produced life. You've got to understand something. God has designed creation to work with you, not against you. Everything in 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 seed form, everything in the heart of God that he creates is designed for fruitfulness. It's designed to multiply and God calls for fruitfulness from our lives. Why? You've been hardwired up for it. Now sin and brokenness mars and stains and limits and restricts that fruitfulness in our life. But when you come back into relationship with Jesus Christ and you get saved from your sin and you get filled with this spirit and you start to follow Jesus, guess what? That separation, that stain, that mark that is upon your life disappears. You're now washed clean by the blood of Jesus and the water of his word. You are now reset. He hits the reset button. You are reborn. You are born again. You're born of the Spirit. Why? Because He's designed you to be fruitful. He's designed you to multiply. God calls for fruitfulness. And when it's missing, the cycle of life isn't complete. You see this in Jesus' ministry when Jesus was hungry for a mid-afternoon snack, even though Jesus was fully and properly God, He was also fully and properly man. He had hunger pains just like you and I. He had to wrestle with His flesh just like you and I. There's no, you know, latte at the local cafe and and a little bit of, you know, banana bread or carrot cake or lemon meringue pie in Jesus' name. Uh, There's none of that, that, that amazing angel food, the manna from heaven. And so Jesus is looking for a mid-afternoon snack, so the next best thing is a fig tree. Now that's not my idea of a mid-afternoon snack, but for Jesus, 2,000 years ago, it was delish. And so Jesus, he goes past the fig tree and guess what he discovers? There's no figs on the fig tree. There's only leaves. There was a fig tree that was designed to produce the fruit of figs, but it's not producing fruit. And what does Jesus do? Oh, let's go to the next fig tree. No, he rebukes the fig tree And the fig tree withers away to its roots. And you're like, what is going on there? Why be so harsh, Jesus, to the fig tree? It's just hanging out, doing a thing. It might not be the season for figs. But the problem, the reason why Jesus rebuked the fig tree and cursed its lack of fruitfulness is because the fig tree was violating a rule of creation. It was receiving life, but it wasn't passing life on. It was receiving life, but it wasn't passing it on. If you want to be the sort of person that avoids spiritual barrenness or barrenness in your finance, in practical, barrenness in your marriage, barrenness in any area of your life, you've got to keep passing on what God has given to you you've got to keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on. And guess what? You can't out give God. You keep giving, He keeps giving more. You keep passing on, He keeps bringing back. If you just keep passing on, get over yourself. Get over your self-centeredness, get over your stinginess, get over your wrong theology and just follow the book. Just obey the Word. What you sow is what you reap. If you just keep passing it on and passing it on and passing it on. I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. It will come back to you. We don't give to get, but getting is an automatic blessing that comes through your giving. We give so that we can empower life in others. Many of us are worrying about where our getting is coming from. I've got to get, 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 get. Now the kingdom is about give, 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 give. And God just says, test me, prove me in this. I'll just open the windows of heaven. I'll just look after you. My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but you've got to bring faith to that. You've got to bring a heart that just says, I don't just have a need, but I'm bringing my faith to this. You see, if you've received the gift of eternal life, if you've received salvation, now it's your responsibility to pass it on. There are people in your family, there are people in your life that need to hear of the truth. Of what you've encountered this weekend, what you've encountered at this great church. I've learned a disciple of Jesus is different to a crowd around Jesus. Crowds are attracted to Jesus as Savior. Save me from my sin, save me from my problems. Even what Pastor Day was sharing in the offering about the boy with the loaves and fishes, the crowd wanted to make Jesus king not because they recognised Him as a Messiah, but because He met their needs. And Jesus had to retreat away from the crowd to go to a mountaintop because He refused to take the role of King that the Father had set aside for Him apart from the process of suffering alone. The crowd is always attracted to this idea. Jesus, you're my saviour. You save me from my sin, from my problems. But a disciple doesn't just approach Jesus as saviour. It approaches Jesus as my Lord. Yeah. Lord of my decisions. Lord of my biology. Lord of my psychology. Lord of my physiology. Lord of my ideology. Lord of all the ologies. Lord, you are Lord and saviour and you're going to work out uh, uh, and in the early stages of our journey we're a part of the crowd we're, we're seeing what and that's good and okay but the Lord's got more for you and if you're going to possess the more, if divine momentum's going to kick in it's going to need to come into a place of lordship yes. you see when you've got divine momentum those who oppose you won't be able to resist you Love it. Yeah. this is so interesting in verse 6 it says a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I started to study that. I'm like, what's that about God? Yeah, I'm like you, yeah, I get curious. I read things in the Bible and go, that's interesting. What's behind that? What's going on there? You see, the priests were the core of the church's opposition. They shouldn't be. They should be the ones cheering. But they were the group of people who should have supported the church but in fact, they were the ones who were resisting it. Often your greatest resistance doesn't come from outside in the world. It comes from people that should know better. It comes from people that are supposedly spirit filled. It comes from people that are brothers and sisters in Christ. But because of the flesh and because of all sorts of brokenness and stuff, often the very people that should be with the move of God are opposing it. The Pharisees should have been with the move of God, not opposing it. And yet the very group of people that were the covenant inheritors, the covenant keepers were the very group of people that crucified our Lord and Saviour. The Gentiles loved Jesus. The Gentiles, the outcasts, wanted to be around Jesus. It was the religious spirit, the religious establishment that couldn't stand the spirit that was within Jesus. Let me tell you something. I'm here to tell you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper (laughs) against this church. Those who oppose you will not be able to resist what God wants to do in this house. When momentum increases, don't be alarmed. So too will the resistance increase. I'm in a season of my life. I'm transitioning in my ministry and, 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 and there's momentum, but there's resistance. All sorts of resistance. Pastor Richard gets up and says, You know what? It's still happening, but there's been some resistance. When you start to hit momentum, resistance increases at the same time. And what many of us do go, oh, it's too hard. Oh, it's not God's will. No, resistance could be the very sign. Your salvation is closer than ever before. Your breakthrough is near than ever before. I'm telling you, someone ought to get up in this room and do spiritual gymnastics because I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is on the move in this house. No weapon formed against you shall prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus, when momentum increases, (laughs) so too does resistance. (laughs) Satan is not going to stand by and give Lifehouse Church a golf clap oh wonderful you're in and oh just amazing oh wonderful you're going to germany this is just profound oh wonderful you're gonna you plan a new campus i tell you the east campus is going to get their facility very soon i know it i know it i know it i just feel it in my spirit it's not too far away don't, don't buckle, don't walk away. Don't go, oh, we're just going to, you know, it's too hard. No, let me tell you something. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the property. He The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If he can give Israel the promised land, he can give you a facility in Jesus' name. When I planted a church with 13 people in a lounge room, who would you think would be threatened by that? Everybody. You plan a church with 13 people. I had, you know, a church, like, 10k down the road threaten legal action and, and, and literally it's a true story you've got to be 45 kilometers away. I'm like, where do you want me to be? In Lara, for goodness sake. I'm not going to Lara near Geelong. Some of you don't even know where that is. And 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 you know, I had a pastor explode in anger at me because we wanted to partner with the church. That that's a novel idea. Unity is a novel idea. And so we wanted to partner with another church to do some ministry in the high school. And he said to me in a cafe, he goes, We own that school. We've there a decade and you can't, aren't allowed in this school. Well, if you had have seen, there was a mushroom cloud actually about 15 years ago over the city of Melbourne, it was probably that conversation. And, and, and so, you know, that was an interesting, and I said, you know, oh, I thought that the education department owns the school and, and, and we don't want to take what you've done. We want to support you. We want to come alongside. Let's win. Do you know that, I remember I walked out of there and God said, son, let me fight these battles for you. I wanted to fight. The best example against criticism and resistance is Christlikeness. It's not talk, gossip, beat up, get all, you know, flustered and get angry. It's set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. That's called Christ likeness. Christ likeness will win the day, Christ likeness will, will cause their hearts to melt. And that man was moved on within six months. The first six salvations in our youth ministry came from that high school. And then that six souls became 60 18 months later, became 120 two and a half years later why no weapon formed against you shall prosper in the mighty name of Jesus I had a businessman, he wrote an essay as to all the things I was doing wrong in the church. He came to the, to he had been come from a conservative background. He had his theology, everything worked out and God bless his soul. I loved him. I actually felt a sense of, you know, compassion for him. And he comes and he brings this essay as to why I've partnered with the devil on this and why I've done that. And, and, and I began to unpack and just listen patiently and began to take him through the scriptures and what that means and how that's taken out of context there and blah, 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 blah. By the end of it, he just pauses and he looks at me. He had no more attacks. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, I have a holiday house in Phillip Island. He said, anytime you want to use my holiday house in Phillip Island, you just let me know. Go ahead. And for the next decade, every summer, I had myself a holiday house in Phillip Island because no weapon formed against you shall prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Those who oppose you won't be able to resist you. And that's what God is doing in this house at this time. Momentum belongs to those who remain steadfast, Christ-like in the face of opposition. Let no one despise you for whatever, your youth, your gender, your bank account, your your faith in Jesus. Let no one despise you. Just respond Christ-like. God is marking this church with divine momentum. I love Job 17 9. It says, The righteous keep moving forward. Yes. Just keep moving forward. Just keep moving. It might not be as fast as some other church, it might not be as grand as some other place. That's not the issue. That's right. Don't compare. Who cares? Yeah. When they win, you win. Yeah. When you win, they win it's not about that. You just keep moving forward. You keep moving forward. No one can stop Lifehouse Church except Lifehouse Church. The devil can't stop you. Persecution can't stop you. The only people that can stop the momentum of what God wants to do is you.
1: Hi, I'm Richard Gabacki, and pastor of Lifehouse Church just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.